few words on a piece of paper. A sudden moment of clarity. A life changed forever. Throughout the ages, people have been challenged, inspired, moved and transformed by the words of the world's divine educators. My name is Sean Hinton, and in this podcast, Moments of Meaning, I talk to people whose lives have been profoundly affected by the sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith, and ask them about the story of how it happened. Today's guest is Akun Tumi. Born and raised in Botswana in southern Africa, she's now a science teacher in a high school in Swindon in England. This is the passage that changed her life. From my laws, the sweet-smelling savour of my garment can be smelled, and by the raid, the standards of victory will be planted upon the highest peaks. So welcome, Aku. And, and first of all, set the scene for us. What was happening in your life? And what were you doing? Where were you working? So I would have been, I think, 21. I would have probably just turned 21. And I was living in the capital city of Botswana, Khabarone. And I was a university student. And at the time, um, the guy that I was dating was a member of the Baha'i faith. He was a Baha'i. And it was through him that I had come across the Baha'i faith. And because I had found it really interesting, more than interesting, really, because I had started to feel that this was something that might be for me, I was attending a, um, a deepening class, which was being offered by one of the Baha'i ladies in the community. And she was just an absolute sweetheart. And she kind of took me under her wing a little bit and gave me a book, which is called the Kitab Yaqdas, which means the Book of Laws, um, which sets out all of the um, laws and guidance and ordinances that have been prescribed for Baha'is. And I was reading this book, I think, for the first time, probably, I would have guessed, in my bedroom um, in my parents' house, a tiny little bedroom where I had a bunk bed that I shared with my sister. Yes, at the age of 21, we still had a bunk bed. Um, so I probably would have been on that, um, reading this book that was given to me by this, um, this Baha'i lady in the community. And this quote that I've chosen today is on one of the first pages, I think it's actually the fourth paragraph of the book, so really early on, like basically as soon as you turn the page, it's there. And probably late afternoon or something along those lines, I would have been looking through it and I would have first come across this quote. Tell me about what other things you'd read and, and where you were at in your search. I grew up in a Christian family, I guess a half Christian, okay, a fully Christian family. Both my parents are Christian, although really only my mother was a practicing Christian, I'd say. So I'd grown up fairly comfortable with the idea of religion, but we'd never really been a religious family. I wasn't someone who was keen on the idea of following a strict set of rules and regulations. I found it all quite controlling and a bit outdated, really, although I did believe in God. So at the time, I wouldn't really say I was searching for anything at all. But because I had been 
so exposed to the Baha'i faith repeatedly through um, through the gentleman that I was seeing at the time. And I had done a course called, um, there's a course called Ruhi that has a sequence of, of studies, study books that you can do in groups. And I had done the first one of these called Ruhi Book One, which had kind of introduced me to the central principles of the Baha'i faith and a few of the writings of Baha'u'llah. And I had found them really, really nice, very difficult to disagree with. And I felt that there was some kind of deep fundamental truth in the writings that I had read in that book. And so I wanted to find out more. And I was really considering calling myself a Baha'i. But I wasn't so keen on the whole laws thing um, and the idea of like, having to pray a certain way or, or do a certain thing at a certain time of day or being told what days are special and what days are, I was I was not a fan of any of that. So this book of laws that was given to me by um, the lady who ran the deepening class, I took it gratefully because it was a really nice gift and it's a beautiful book as well with gold leaf pages and it's hardcover and it's got gold lettering on it. Um, so I appreciated it, but I was skeptical when I started to read it, and I didn't really think that it would be something that I would take on board. But as I started to read it, this one passage that I came across really stuck with me, and I'm so glad it did because it affected the way I read the rest of the book, and I was able to absorb it a lot better. What did you think when you read that for the first time? How did you feel? It's, it's quite strange because I think the very, very first time I laid eyes on it, I think I thought <laughs> that's convenient that the person that writes the laws um, should say that the laws are such a beautiful bounty and such a beautiful gift. So I think even the first time I read it, it was with quite an undertone of skepticism. But for some reason, like once my eyes had taken in those words, I just started thinking about it some more. And then I thought, actually, you know what? If a person who lives in the material world on earth wants to build a relationship with God, who is in essence a spiritual entity, it's very difficult for those worlds to overlap, for those worlds to cross. And how better to get to know someone, to get to know to get to experience someone caring for you than to let them show you how they would take care of you. And I think that the way that a manifestation of God would do that is through the laws that he brings you, through the guidance that he brings you to help you live your life in a harmonious and in a peaceful way, to help you be a spiritual success, I suppose, in as much as you can be. And I just found it so, so beautiful that whilst you might not be able to sit down and have a conversation with God or with Baha'u'llah or you can't look him in the eye and, and interrogate him the way you could anyone else who you might be starting a, a friendship or a relationship with, but you can get a sense of what they are and of what they want for you through what they've told you to do. Because ultimately, all of those laws are based in love for us. And it shows you, through practically taking those actions, it shows you how you can be 
how we all can be together and shows you what that vision of Baha'u'llah is. I thought, yeah, it was a really, really accurate way of explaining the relationship between the laws and the manifestation. So that's extraordinary to me, to think of you there as a student, 21, at a time of life when most of us are rebelling against constraints that our family or a society places on us. And yet what attracts you is a book of laws, the thing that restrains us, the thing that holds us back. But you're talking about it in a very different way. As I read more of this book, the Kitab Yaqdas, which is the book of laws, you can see the benefit behind them. Baha'u'llah is not going to benefit from from you saying a prayer. Baha'u'llah is not going to benefit from you being generous, from you approaching marriage in a certain way. The only person that's going to benefit from that is you and the people around you. And so with each and every law that is written down, you get to kind of see why. You get to see how you could benefit from that, how mankind can benefit from that. And it paints a picture like a box of chocolates that's been presented to you. And each one is different, but each one is a gift to you to enjoy. And you can choose to or not to, but each one is for you. And if you have it, chances are it'll be great. So I think just by reading through it and then by starting to try a few of them, I I started to understand why it's a good idea. And I think another thing also is that, um, as I said, I was in my parents' house. Um, and my, I have really strict parents, by the way. So <laughs> I was no stranger to the idea of laws. Um, <laughs> strict African parents. Um, so as you say, I had spent most of my life wishing they had been a little less strict. But that being said, you have to kind of understand that when a parent says, do this and do that, much as you might agree or disagree, or they might not quite understand all of the the details involved in your reality, they are saying it because they want the best for you, because they want to protect you from something that you might not, a danger that you might not recognize, or steer you towards something that they know would be beneficial for you. So it's, it's all coming from the right place. And I think that... Um, that comparison between what, how a parent parents their child through a certain set of rules and how a manifestation also um, reveals a certain set of laws, I think that helped me kind of see it in that positive light. So, Aku, let's hear this special passage again. From my laws, the sweet-smelling savour of my garment can be smelled, and by their aid, the standards of victory will be planted upon the highest peaks. When I read this book, in particular this quote, really what I feel is I feel lucky because I think it's such a rarity for someone to come across not only a set of guidelines to help them live their life, but to come across a set of, as, as I described them before, a set of little gifts that have been left for you to enjoy. And it's, it's so touching. I feel touched and I feel loved and I feel lucky because I know that many people have never read this book. Quite a few people will never read this book. 
many people may come across this book but not take to it, which is fine. But I feel very, very lucky that I was given this book and that I decided to read it because it's like being hugged. I feel like I'm being hugged with every single passage in the book. The first part is about the laws from which the sweet-smelling savour of my garment can be smelled. What does that mean to you? It's one of those things that's so hard to explain, but essentially when someone's not physically there, it's very difficult to feel like you know them or that they know you. Imagine that someone has set up a treasure hunt for you and that person's not there and they're not watching you do the treasure hunt, but they've left you all these little clues. And as you follow those little clues and you actually do the actions, every step brings you a little nugget of treasure and another little clue. And so you're interacting with them because they've left you this little surprise that they know you're going to go through these motions. So even though they're not there, you're doing something together. I think it's kind of like that. Baha'u'llah is not physically in the same room as me, but through these laws, you get a sense of what he would have wanted, what he would have said, really what the principles are that drove the revelation of the Baha'i faith. And then the second part says, by their aid, the standards of victory will be planted upon the highest peaks. And what does that mean to you? That seems to be setting a standard for us or a challenge almost. You know, I actually hadn't seen it in a challenge kind of way. I had seen it as going to a personal trainer. You've got a goal to, I don't know, be able to bench press 50 kilograms or whatever it is that you want to do. And you can go about that goal your like on your own and just practice and you might get there. But the personal trainer knows all the little tips and tricks and will be able to get you to that level of victory a lot better. So listen to the person, like listen to the person that knows what they're talking about, because you might not understand the science or the logic or the spiritual, you know, truths behind it, but there's someone who has set down a path to victory. And if you follow those steps, it would be much easier for you to get there than if you try and forge your own path on your own because you haven't been up that mountain before. You, you don't know the steps. So I think I see it as something, as tools that will aid us, not just individually, but will aid humanity to be able to progress. And we can take it or leave it, but, you know, who wouldn't want help? So you read this passage. It brought you closer to the person of Baha'u'llah. It gave you confidence that you had this personal trainer on your team. What was the result of it? You read it, you had a moment. How did it affect you? In multiple, multiple ways. I mean, I guess one that you could talk about right off the bat is my approach to marriage, I think, changed quite a lot um, because the Baha'i faith has a lot of writings about marriage. I had always wanted to get married. It's always a thing that I was looking forward to and I wanted to have a family. So I hadn't like radically changed my view on that. I still wanted to get married. That had always been um, a desire of mine. But I think I started to think of it as not just something for me, but like every family unit is like a brick that builds a building. And that building is our, is our town or our city. And so it really is important to think about 
how you're going to go into a marriage before you go into it. And I think I had kind of not understood the importance of preparing before you actually even meet the person that you might marry. I, I think I had thought of it as a, oh, you meet someone, you fall in love, sparks fly, and then it all takes care of itself. I guess I started having an appreciation of my role in the progress of humanity. So I started thinking about things a lot more from a spiritual perspective. And yeah, I think one of the things I thought a lot about from a spiritual perspective is marriage compared to the way I had thought about it before. And did that have immediate sort of consequences in your life? I- <laughs> no, <laughs> not immediate at all. <laughs> it was a long road <laughs> before I ever met my current husband. Um, but, you know, I really, I really spent a lot of time studying myself, studying my relationships, both romantic and otherwise, and my my natural traits and my natural habits to be able to discern what kind of characteristics to look for in a partner. So I think I, I put in a good a good bit of legwork and groundwork before I ever came across my husband. Unfortunately he was of the same mindset. Like he keep by the time he met me, he was someone who had spent quite a few years really thinking about himself as a partner and thinking about what kind of marriage he would like to have and how to make that a success. So we were both really, I think, prepared, really well prepared um, to be married. So we were a good match when we finally met. It was not a short road at all, not immediate, but I think the steps that I took helped me to meet my partner. So here you are, let's say some years later, (laughs) you were 21 when you read this. I know you're not 21 now. You were a student when you read this. 10 years later, 10 years later. (laughs) The student has become the teacher. Does it mean something different to you now? So as you say, the student has become the teacher quite literally. So I'm now a science teacher. Does this passage mean something different to me now? I wish I could say yes, but to be honest, I I don't think it does. I think I just feel strongly that by trying the laws, I think, I guess the only thing that I could say that has changed in my perspective is that I've now tried pretty much all, not always consistently and and not always perfectly, but I think I've given it a good go at trying most of the laws that are written in um, in this book of laws. And I think by trying something, that is when you get to understand what that, what the purpose of that law is because you, you just might not ever feel it if you don't give it a try. Give us a flavour of some of those. One that I found very difficult to follow um, is the law of praying every day. I was really not a praying person. It's difficult to talk to someone who's not there. I'm not very talkative in the first place, even if someone is there. So talking to someone who's not like in front of me that I can see, I found that quite challenging. I also didn't like the idea of having a prayer that was pre-written for me and that the words have already been written by the the manifestation of that religion, the messenger of that religion. I found that quite restrictive. I didn't see the point, didn't like it, wasn't keen on the idea. But I was like, okay, I like everything else about the Baha'i faith, so I'll give this one a go and see. So I tried it and you know what? 
it's it's so nice even if you're not quite in the mood even if you're not quite in that zone to pray like i was always of the mind that you should only pray when you really really feel it like you shouldn't force yourself to stop what you're doing and pray or say words that don't come straight from your heart because it won't be sincere but you know actually every once in a while just taking the moment to practice that discipline and stop yourself and dedicate a bit of time to praying during the day even if you weren't really in the mood it is really helpful because it helps to put you in the mood because if you're not in the mood then you'll never get in the mood so sometimes it's nice if someone gives you a little bit of a nudge and helps you back onto that track so i actually found that one really eye opening and very helpful that was one of the laws i really um that really surprised me again i'll go back to the personal trainer thing they might say um hold the weights at more of a 45 degree angle you might think that's the stupidest thing in the world how in the world is that going to help me but if you try it you'll be like oh it's actually a lot easier at that 45 degree angle so i think sometimes you just have to give things a go and experience it in your own life if you feel that it's been positive you can keep it if you don't feel it's been positive you don't have to keep it i guess but i think it's worth trying things because that's when you really do get to smell that sweet smelling savor what a delight to talk to you today aku thank you so much for joining us on this episode of moments of meaning the passage aku shared is from a book written by bahaullah the prophet founder of the bahai faith called the kitabi aqdas or in english the most holy book it is bahaullah's seminal work his book of laws written in arabic around 1873 while he was still imprisoned in the city of akka in it bahaullah sets out the laws and practices his followers should adhere to but he himself says that the book is so much more think not that we have revealed unto you a mere code of laws he says nay rather we have unsealed the choice wine with the fingers of might and power referred to by his grandson as the charter of the future world civilization the kitabi aqdas also lays out the core principles of the bahai faith in it bahaullah addresses the kings and rulers of the earth covers issues of succession after his passing and sets out the administrative institutions that have to this day ensured the integrity and unity of the bahai community to read more about the bahai writings head to bahai.org to find the podcast notes for this episode try bahaiteachings.org/searchformeaning moments of meaning is presented by Sean Hinton sound engineering by Jamie Heath researched by Nabil Habibpur and produced by Alex Liz and the amazing team at bahaiteachings.org <laughs>